I want to talk this morning for a few minutes about the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. I want to read it first. Where it says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will also grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I want to look at a map of the area, the, a drawn back map, and you see uh, Greece over here, and Corinth, and Sparta, and Athens, and Philippi, and names we read of in the New Testament a lot. We also read of Galatia and Phrygia, and Phrygia is the area in which we find the church at Laodicea. Just to get a little bit closer view of it, Laodicea is six miles, roughly, from Hierapolis, about ten miles from Colossae. It's um, on the valley of the Lycus and Meander rivers in that area of the world. A couple of things about Laodicea. They were one of the richest commercial centers in the world. So we have a picture if you will, of a church that is affluent, that has some wealth. It's one of the wealthiest cities in Phrygia, Laodicea is. Laodicea was known for its banking and for its manufacture of, a, of clothing from a local black wool. And it also boasted a famous medical center. So it was quite an affluent and well thought of city. In the book of Acts, I'm just going to read four verses, just pull them out, five verses, just going to pull them out from Acts. In Acts 16, verse 6, uh, talking about Paul, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So he passed through Phrygia, in which we have these three cities. In Acts 18, verse 23, after he spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, Paul writes, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and for those in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. And in Colossians 4, 16, 
Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the churches of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So the letter from Colossae to Colossae was to be circulated, and it was to be read in Laodicea. And there was a letter that Paul had written to Laodicea, and uh, it was supposed that they were, the people in Colossae were supposed to read it. That letter has disappeared, I suppose. We don't have it even now. Who's, who's talking when we read about uh, the church at Laodicea, beginning in verse 14? Or verse 15, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, the amen. The true and faithful is what that really would mean. And he's describing himself in that one word. And he also spells it out, faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. He's the active creator. He's the starter of the creation. It's interesting. He says in verse 15, I know your works. He knows what's going on in the church in Laodicea. You're neither hot or cold. You are neither hot nor cold. Cold, sluggish, inert, nothing happening. He says, you're, you're not cold. You're not hot. You're not boiling hot is, is basically what he means. Metaphorically, a fervor and, uh, uh, and zeal for God. He said, you're not that way. He said, would that you were cold or hot. Wish you were cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm, this is how he's going to spew them out of his mouth. This church gave neither refreshment nor help for the spiritually sick. There was one of the major weaknesses of the city of Laodicea was it didn't have a good water supply, from what I understand. So their water was, they would get water from hot springs in the south, and it was apparently through aqueducts that it got there. And when it got there, it wouldn't have been cold and refreshing, and it wouldn't have been hot, good for any medicinal purposes that hot water is good for, but it would have been lukewarm, in which it wouldn't refresh, and it wouldn't heal, which is what the church there was. You're lukewarm. Not cold enough to drink, good water, but not hot to heal. And so they apparently were doing virtually nothing. So Jesus says, when he says, I will spew you out of my mouth, I will vomit you out of my mouth. What's he saying? What is he saying about them? Is that they don't please him. They are not right. This church, there is no commendation given them. Nothing good is said about them. They're lukewarm. They're rich. They're wealthy. And they have need of nothing. They just, they just don't need anything. He says, what you don't know is that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It's interesting. If you look in verse 15, I know your works. 
And he says in verse 17, you do not know that you're wretched. God knows, but you can't see yourselves. You don't see it. They are afflicted. To be pitied, miserable means that, to be pitied. They are lowly. They're destitute of anything, uh, the eternal riches of the faithful. They just don't have any of that. They're blind. There's this smoky, opaque uh, sense in which they cannot see. They're mentally blind. They're naked. They're laid bare, if you will. They're without clothes. This church was so prosperous that they had an earthquake there in about 60 A.D. during the time of Nero. The city was basically destroyed. Being a Roman city, Roman government offered them help, and they said, no, thank you, but we don't need it. That's how wealthy this place is. The, the Roman historian Tacitus considered it unheard of that any city was wealthy enough to rebuild itself, but yet that's what this city was. And that has filtered on over into the church. They are lukewarm, no serious work going on for the Lord. There's nothing happening. Seems to be kind of dead. So, what does Jesus say? Let's read it again. I counsel you, verse 18, to buy from me gold refined, gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. The church there was had this feeling of, among the individuals of self-sufficiency. They didn't need anything. And as a banking center, so I understand, there was much gold in the banks of Laodicea. He says, you buy gold from me, refined in the fire. This clothing industry was world famous. A black, the black wool sheep were raised in the surrounding countryside from which a beautiful, glossy, dark-colored material was made, and it was desirable. Their medical school was world-famous, and they produced a powder or a salve or something that would be a remedy for the eyes. So you buy gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, gold from, from the Lord, if you will that's refined in the fire, that all the impurities are gone, there's nothing else there but gold, and white garments that you may be clothed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. There's a remedy for them. He counsels them to take that remedy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, rather, Second, Second Corinthians 5, 1 through 4. 
For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. We groan earnestly, desiring to be, for this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. That this cloth, the cloth that they make, is not going to get them to heaven. But they do need that. If our earthly house, this temple, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. Buy from me gold that, that will make you rich, white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness might not reveal. Anoint your eyes with eye salve. Get what you need from the Lord, not from men. Get what you need from the Lord. They shouldn't be cold or lukewarm. They should be hot for the Lord. Seething the word. I'd rather like. We don't use it very often. That's how they're supposed to be. Boiling hot. Zealous. Look at Romans chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Just as a slight comparison here. Revelation 2, verse 4. says, Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. They've left. Let's read about what happened before that. In verse 1 of Revelation 2, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are of the apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. There's some good things in this church. I know your works, your labor, patience. You don't like those who are, you can't bear with those who are evil. You've tested those who say they're apostles and you found out that they weren't. You've not, uh, you've labored for my name's sake. You have not become weary. He can't say that about Laodicea though. He can't say that about Laodicea. Look at Revelation 2.9. Smyrna. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you're rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. I know your works and the tribulation that you're going through and your poverty. They're in poverty. But a parenthetical expression in there says, but you're rich. They're in poverty, but they're rich. The church in Laodicea is rich, but you might say they're in poverty. 
because there's nothing going on. They're lukewarm. He doesn't say, as he does in Revelation 2, 4, that they've left their first love. But it seems as though that might be the case. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Does he love them? Yeah, he loves them. This is what he's, he's rebuking and chastening them. He chides them. He in, instructing them the chasten would be. Teaching them. He tells them to be zealous and repent. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Those who are rich in this present age, the church in Laodicea, you might could say, not to be haughty, nor to trust in those uncertain riches, but to trust in God. God will give us richly all things to enjoy. And do good. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, just a part of that verse. Let there be some zeal, some diligence coming from you instead of nothing. Fervent in zeal, in spirit. Serving the Lord, serving, working for the Lord, you might say. Serving the Lord. And we read 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 4. He says, Hear and open to him. Hear and listen to him knocking at the door. To him who overcomes... To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me, dine with me, and he with me. Dine with him, and he with me. Those who overcome, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Just think about that. He'll come down and he'll come and eat with us, and we can eat with him. He will grant to sit on his throne, as he's sitting on the throne of his father. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, turn to James chapter 5, verse 3. James chapter 5, and verse 3. <clears throat> well, verse 1. James 5, 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and you will, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud cry out. The cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. These riches that we might, and certainly the church in Laodicea was, was having 
and held on to and spent and used and, and lived in life, lived a, 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 big, a rich life. They are corrupted. The garments that they made are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver corroded. And you have hip, heaped up treasures in this life, but not treasures in the afterlife. First Peter chapter 1 verse 7. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's start in verse 3 again. 1 Peter 1, 3. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, that you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We have a living hope. And it's based on the resurrection of Christ. That without that, there is no hope. And we have an, inherit an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that will not defile, be defiled that never fades away, reserved in heaven for you and for me. And so God knows the genuineness of our faith. It's much more precious than that gold, though it's tested by fire. Much better than the clothes we wear. That we can serve God and at the end of our life, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. Verses 17 and 18. Well, 16. The Lord grant mercy to the house of household. I'm at the wrong place. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Here we have in Laodicea a city that is wealthy, a church that most likely is the same way, affluent, wealthy church. Nothing going on. Command those who are rich in this world not to be haughty. Don't trust in uncertain riches. 
but God who gives us all things to endo, uh, richly to enjoy. Do good, rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for, for themselves a, found, a good foundation for time to come. Romans 12, verse 11. Again, I'll start in verse 9. Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and, and bless. Do not curse. Whoever we are, we're to hate evil. We're to cling to the Lord and what's good. And so we among we should be kindly affectioned to one another, giving honor to one another. Here and open, he says. He'll come in and dine with us. We can sit on his throne, reign with him, as it were. The church, in Laodicea, is talking as a church, but this church is filled with people who are not zealous for the Lord. In Romans chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, Paul's talking about his Jewish brothers. He said, you have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They, they, there's some zeal there, just for the wrong thing. In Laodicea, there's no zeal. They're just sort of there. He said, repent. Repent and be zealous. Change. How do you change from being lethargic? You get unlethargic. You get some energy, some zeal, and you start working for the Lord. That's what we do. We need to make sure we're not like that one of these days. And be hot for the Lord. If you need to respond to the gospel, not serving the Lord, right? Not serving the Lord at all. Why don't you come while we stand and while we sing? <laughs>